Hey guys, welcome to I Am Comics Podcast. I have Josh Casper with me. Is the Bizarre Mumbo Jumbo, aka JJ Kirby, Black Wizard. And with What's us, up? with us today is a <laughs> special guest. Uh, this is the third time. Third time. Third time. Yeah. The man, the myth. Uh huh. I think we've had him the most the, on the, since. The, I... the super sexy. What? Yeah. The super sexy. Who? Uh, Who's, this guy? Who's this guy? Who's this guy? What is it? Spider Dan? Or what, what do you call it? Spider Boy? I think it was Spider Hobo Daddy. Yeah. There you go. Spider Hobo Daddy. Hobo Daddy. Matt Dunford. Dunford. Why did you bring this guy on again? He is such a dork. I can't believe. But you talk a lot, and we like that. Okay. Good. Well, yes, I do. And you know a lot of stuff, and we like that stuff. And Some then, of it is actually accurate. You yeah. know what I mean? And then you, and you'll talk about it. So we like that. You know, we hate pulling it out of people. Okay, cool. <laughs> and I'm enthusiastic. <laughs> no to homo. Talk out but, <laughs> but I'm homo. Go ahead. But he is here again to talk about Comic Fest. Da, 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 da. Oh, I didn't get the, the build up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No build up. For, oh, it's all backwards now. <laughs> Though surprisingly, you know, there is a lot of build up for San Diego Comic Fest. And so now we are in our seventh year of the show. Mm. And uh, things are popping off. Things are consistent. Business is booming. And, yeah, you know, we boom. are preparing for our biggest uh, San Diego Comic Fest ever, despite okay. the fact that we do convey a small and intimate environment for the guests because, you know, the focus of the convention is sp- was spawned out of the, the original the original yeah. yeah the original San Diego Comic Con yeah. to create this small intimate atmosphere where you can interact with legendary creators and trust me we got some pretty legendary folks coming to this show big up yeah who who, who you got well <laughs> I'm curious I think, now I'm like okay, okay. Right. yo homie yeah, okay, check yourself so, who you got break yourself homie all right all right yeah yeah it's like let me tell you who I got backing me up okay well first up. off we've got our guest of honor this year. The world's greatest living cartoonist, and I say that quite confidently. Okay, that's Because I don't time. think there's a lot of folks on earth who would debate me on that. Okay, Mascot. El Maestro himself, Sergio Aragonis. Oh! Okay. Well, damn, I can't. Yeah. 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 He, he can get that trophy. I know he was going to say. I was like, who are we talking about? Some, some, uh, some Charles Schultz has passed, didn't he? Yeah. I was sitting there like, I'm like, who are they Keep talking about? Even when I said greatest living. Right. right. Okay. I, was, I was like, who are they talking about? So, so you got to go into like the you alive. You got to do that. You got to go there. Do you get Waterston? And even Waterston, I think, would concede to Sergio. Oh, yeah. Because he's just been popping off with Groove, Groove for, like, Groove for a long time. Oh, yeah. I, I remember getting into that book. I was just like, man, this is like, you, you would see it, but then you'd be like, nah, you know, I ain't really checking for it. But then you, yeah. you check for it. You yeah. actually read it. You see the the, the 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 sequentials. He is a beast. He draws so much stuff. And it's like, it's just, like, it's from his own, like, he's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, I would love to meet him. He yeah, seems like, he, he like a funny guy. I mean, a really cool, funny guy. And, you know, he will be celebrating his 60th year at Mad Magazine with us. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. And our theme this year for San Diego Comic Fest. Oh, is yeah. What 50, is your thing? It is 50 years of the moon landing. Uh-oh. Okay. okay. Why that? What's up with that? Why you get They say we need to go to the moon. You got a lot of sci-fi there, right? Well, yeah, they say it's all fake. Why you trying to why you trying to pick up the moon? You know, <laughs> a lot of people ask why the 50th 50th of the moon landing. Well, look at comics in the 1950s and mm-hmm. 1960s. Mm-hmm. They were all space focused. You went from this moment of going into the oh, jet age space, to the space yeah, age. Yeah, 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 the space craze. The I mean, I think about it. What did they do in Fantastic Four number one? 
the cover the cover had a giant monster coming out the ground it wasn't like we're gonna do some heroic looking you know yeah but it's just like it was like yeah they were definitely in the first couple issues of the fantastic four where they weren't superhero they were like sci-fi weird family science peoples well that's the secret it's just like it was broken down genius. by genius because the strength of because at the time, this JLA, the JLA just got... Yeah, the JLA got, had just dropped. Just came out. And, so, like, and of course, monsters were still popular. a popular thing. Yeah, so, yeah. hence why they had so many monsters on the right, cover and a right, monster on their right, team. Right. And, of course, the space element. But the secret to writing Fantastic Four, I believe it was Mark Waid who said this, is Fantastic Four is a has always been a sci-fi series disguised as a superhero comic. Yeah. With the main ingredient being it's a family, you know... From my perspective, I guess. The Brady Bunch with Pirates. I don't, I don't know nothing. But it's just like, uh, them being, them as a family, superhero, scientist group, if you break it down backwards, it's just like, you know, it's like, yeah, that's their rights itself. Like, you know, no, yeah, at the, especially at the time, nobody was doing anything like that. So it's just like, well, man, okay. They stand with like, I got to make, he was going to quit comics at that time. And his wife was like, if you're going to do it, do what you want to do with it. Yeah. And then he was like, you know what, all right. Because they told him, like, yo, what you got that can rival or, you know, a, you know, the Justice League? Yeah. He was like, man, I'm, you going to let me flip it? I'm going to flip it like this. He was like, I'm going to show my nuts. I'm going to put yeah. all my, I'm pants on it. I'm gonna oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And I was like, yeah, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? But people don't know because, like, the movies have been kind of whack. Kind of whack. I yeah, I'm, like... just keep, I'm, I ain't, I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to say it. They've been kind of hella whack. <laughs> And yeah. it's a dis, it's a it's, it's no it's disrespectful for mine. The books have always fucking been. They used to be top selling. They go in and out or whatever. But it's like they they they're so it's such an important situation to the Marvel universe that it's yeah, like, they, they, they need to get that shit because you know, I mean, they need to tighten it up. I mean, essential Fantastic Four runs for me. There's always the top three. It's the Stan and Jack, mm. the John Byrne, mm. and the Mark Wade, Michael Ringo. Mm, I never read those. Um, the Mark Ringo. You never read those? I never. So I, I, I need to go get them. I need to go get them. Like okay, I said, that I, that that is dope. They just, I did. Just, I did check for the. Did you ever check for the Alan Davis sh- sh- little short era he got on Fantastic Four? I've actually never read that part. Of oh, it was good. It was like it was. Uh, was that it was, Afterburn? Afterburn. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it was Alan Davis, and it was colored by um, Liquid. Okay. So it was just like at the time, so it's got it, like '90s colors. Oh, <laughs> and, and it was just like never seeing Alan Davis colored like that. Chris Lydon hooked it the fuck up, man. He hooked yeah. it up. He, he was like, my God, this is one of my favorite artists. I get to fucking color his shit. He went the fuck off. He was like, I'm about to hook it up, detail it now. And as the person, who's, uh, as the colorist who's, who's an artist, I was like, I remember looking at this shit like, my God, they are on all cylinders. But I think I remember hearing that Alan wasn't happy with the colors. Oh, they, were, yeah. he, they were doing too much for him. Yeah. He's old school. Yeah, because yeah. he's old school. Because for yeah. me, Alan Davis, I call him what he is. The most consistent artist in the industry. That man started good, and for all these decades later, he is still good. There's Solid. No, there's, there's Solid. Never no been, wavering. No there's wavering. There's never been no a wavering. period no where wavering. I think that he has ever lagged nah. in his artistic nah. ability. He's one of he's my old. favorite artists. Yeah. It's like Hands a, down. And him, him he's and just really Adams. that good. And so, anyway, so before we skirt off I, more I, on I, things, yeah. let's continue <laughs> yeah, on the, what we got lined up for Comic Fest. We also have a special Golden Age comic guest. You might know there's not a whole lot of those guys around. Go ahead. But Mr. Alan Bellman, who used to draw Captain America back in the 40s. Oh, wow. Okay. Is joining us for okay. Fest. Big up. 
And he still draws. He's awesome. Really? Mm-hmm. Get a sketch from him. And of course, we got our science fiction guest of honor, Mr. William Nolan, who co-wrote Logan's Run back in the day. He's oh, authored more than wow. 2,000 pieces Run. of fiction, non-fiction articles, books, it. and like 26 anthologies. You know, he's pretty much won everything. And <laughs> like, you know, he was produced a role with Serling and Bradbury back in the mm. day. Mm. And he's won the Bram Stoker Award, the Hugo mm. Award. And, mm. it's like, and was named a World Science, World Horror Society Grandmaster back in 2015. Oh, wow. He's, yeah. he's done it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we have our... Fan guest of honor because we do honor the fans. Fans, Fan guest of honor is Bill Shelley, who has authored you know several books on comic fandom dating back to like 1995 and dozens of entries in DC archive books and that sort of thing. So Mm. it is important to honor the fans. Okay, so when you say fans, is it it that um, the fans like unanimously say we like this dude, or they're like, or is he a fan? What do you mean by that? I need to. I'm a little. By fans, what we mean are people who are enthusiastic. And passionate about the medium. The first time we did a fan guest of honor, we gave it to Gene Henderson, who had been, he's one of the few people on, who had been to, well, he was the only non professional who had been to every single San Diego Comic Con. And today, and this year, will mark his 50th year at Comic Con. I mean, the only other people who've made it that far, I believe, are Bill Stout and Jackie Estrada. Mm, Bill Stout, yeah. Okay, okay, it's a fan favorite. Mm. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. (laughs) And then we have a dealer guest of honor as well, because we also cultivate the dealers. Somebody who hustles really hard? Oh, yeah. Okay. Bud hey, Plant, who has made it. Bud Plant. Bud Plant. Big Bud, up. Okay. He, big he, up. Yeah, made, yeah. He made it through, straight through forty nine <laughs> comic cons. He's finally That's bowed large. out this year, but yeah. it's like, yeah, you know, it's yeah. like you know, he made it that far, and so Af- we Af- we still want to honor Bud Plant's contributions as a dealer. So because remember, you need to keep things as an ecosystem for the convention. Yes. The fans, yes. the dealers, yes. the guests, yes. and. And just like everything in balance, and the people throwing it, don't forget yourselves in the mix because like the you cats is throwing the scenario, so like y'all have to be also uh, you know accommodated to appreciate it. You know what I mean? Because like without y'all, it wouldn't be happening. Exactly. Now the next thing that's uh, going down is you know for the past couple of years as I've served as chairman. Mm. I don't bring my personal fanboy into the mix. Uh-oh. I take a leadership role and decide. Okay, what is going to be the best for the community? Okay, however, Cyclops. okay, Cyclops. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> however, <laughs> this year I do get to celebrate my favorite personal fanboy thing. Okay, mutant because first. I think mutant that Spider-Man. no, 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 it is Spider-Man the animated <laughs> series where we celebrate oh, okay. 25 years nice. of the cartoon with series creator John Semper oh. because it's still my all-time favorite cartoon. And it is essential, and basically this cartoon laid down the foundation for what would later be adapted into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, yeah. And the fact that Marvel movies can work. I mean, say for example, on... In a, an episode of Neogenic Nightmare, when they were dealing with the vampire Morbius and Spider-Man can't take him alone, and all of a sudden, this cat named Blade shows up. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, Blade hadn't been seen in comics for 20 years, but he appeared on a cartoon. I did. I remember the episode, too. And then, suddenly, two years later, he gets a movie deal. Big up. Because that movie, <laughs> those movies were dope. People forget. They think Wesley Snipes was the th- all about, like, you know, dodging or whatever. I'm like, he, he was, like... The first cat to be like, yeah, I'm gonna put my budget on the fucking on this movie too, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we're gonna make this, we're gonna do this right because I'm a fan, I'm a fan, I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is, I'm gonna act in it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit it up, I got the martial arts, everything, I put the money on it and everything, and it was successful, yeah, super successful, and people but people don't it. even know that Blade was a comic book character, they yeah. don't even know he was a superhero, and it worked, and they think an obscure black superhero character. I'm like, from the old school, I'm like, that's. But check it, it's like he was like black, like Black Panther, 
Killed it. Crushed it. Blade for its time? For what it was? It killed crushed it. it. Crushed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And people people don't give Wesley the props and that he deserves for contributing to that. Because he's like, he's like Ryan Reynolds with Deadpool. Yeah, exactly. Without but him, the, it would have popped. But the whole thing there is it was Spider-Man, the Wolverine, animated series, that brought it into the frame. Hugh Jackman. Yeah. And yeah, like, no I mean, other characters, like say, for example, like Black Cat. Nobody was doing nothing with Black Cat until she was brought in uh, again to the Spider-Man cartoon. Mm. She had faded into obscurity in the yeah, late 80s. Felicia, Felicia then, and then like all of a sudden she's everywhere because she became a popular character on the show. Yeah. And then, of course, um, do y'all see Into the Spider-Verse? Yes. No. Wasn't it a phenomenal movie? Oh, my God. But that- any, any fan of the Spider-Man animated series will say, you know, that's a great movie, but the plot of that looks oddly familiar. It's from lifted from the final two episodes yeah. of the Spider-Man cartoon, yeah. Spider-Wars. Madam when he, Web. When, yeah, 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 with yeah. more Madam Web and the Beyonder yeah. bring Spider-Man yeah, from across the that. universe to I try to stop Spider-Carnage yeah, yeah. from creating this device that destroys all of reality. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Well, I don't need to watch it now, then. Well, you know, you should definitely watch it, because that movie, Into the Spider-Verse, was... That was fresh. I, I was sitting there watching it with the feeling like, this is fresh. So is Nicolas is this... Cage a great Spider-Man? Yes, he is. You know what, Nick Cage? Cage oh, 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 oh. Nick, oh. Nick Cage is dope. Yeah, I know. Let, let, let's I keep know. it 100. He's a goddamn you know national he, treasure. I, I was watching some YouTube <laughs> videos about him and everything. I was like, he is dope. People think yeah. he's overacting over the top. I'm like, he's... He's old school. He's bringing like you know, like back when it was silent movies Don't and forget, everything. He was going to be Superman, man. I'm just sitting you know? there. Well, I, 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 if he did, I wonder what he would do with it. But he is dope. I, like, I can't even front. Like I, I, I like now. I will. Like I will. Like real brief. I will tell my experience with Spider Verse. Yeah. And my love for this movie. So, yes. I knew nothing about this movie going in because you know I heard an what? announcement a couple years ago. Okay. Like, okay, so like. Sony is making an animated Spider-Man movie. I'm like, yay! I can't wait for them to ruin it like they did with a garbage, but the like, animation amazing is Spider-Man. Not bad. Yeah, like, or ahead. like the solo Venom movie or the Morbius thing. <sighs> and of course, I never bothered with Venom. Like, it's just like I just <sighs> don't think this character works without Spider-Man because I'm such a stickler. And I was not <sighs> impressed with the amazing Spider-Man films that Sony did. I liked <gasps> the you know Tom Holland you know now these you know into the main Marvel. Universe. But I just was like, okay, whatever. Sony is doing their thing with Spider-Man. But I got invited to like a preview of the show, uh, preview showing of Spider-Man. I'm like, you know what? I've got a free evening. It's free. It's a preview thing. I'll just go to say I went so I can, you know, dissect the movie and say how lame it is. Mm. Because I don't say something. Prepare to hate. I like it. You know, it's like because <laughs> I, if I'm, if I dislike something, I will explain to you why I dislike something. I won't just say it yeah, sucked. I didn't I like it. Reason. It sucked. Yeah. So anyway, I go into this movie. I sit down. Two hours later, I'm just with my jaw on the floor. It's like that movie was better than it, it was so much better than it had a right to be. It was fresh. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. I was so blown away by everything they did, and then of course I realized the thing that it benefited the most from that I noticed is what I noticed who the director was was Phil Lord, who is the director of the Lego Movie, which mm. is the single most oh, entertaining okay. movie I have ever watched in my entire life. That movie does not slow down at any point. It just goes and goes and goes. Yeah. It is entertaining nonstop all the way through. And Spider-Verse was entertaining nonstop all the way, way through. through. Yeah, it was. And I even found a Spider-Man that I identify with, Peter B. Parker. Oh, really? Yeah, and of course, I identified with Dad Bob Spider-Man, and that's why um, I had gone through some... A couple of <coughs> weeks after seeing the movie, I've gone through some life choices. Uh, the job that I was working as a writer for, I decided to part ways. And so oh, I said, yeah. all right, time for me, as I'm going through this transitional life, time for me to do the hobo life. Okay. And so I just posted a picture online 
of Peter Parker from the 1994 Spider-Man and a picture of Peter B. Parker, the hobo Spider-Man. And I said, all right, here's the Peter Parker I modeled my life after versus the Peter Parker I ended up as. (laughs) One person shared it. Another person shared it. Within a matter of days, this had been shared 6,000 times. I created a viral meme joking at myself. Okay. And I've seen it. It's like people are sharing with me. They're seeing it like translated in different languages and stolen off. It's like... I mean, guys, it's... You got a Peter Parker vibe see, about you, though. I can see that. It's not a meme. It's a joke. I don't make memes. I make jokes. This one just took off, so it became a meme. Yeah, man. people make you into a meme, homie. But then I decided, you know what? Two weeks ago at Anime Los Angeles, the day before the event, I pop into Goodwill, grab a green-brown hobo jacket, go to Target, oh, grab an athletic fit Spider-Man yeah, I saw the shirt, pictures. Uh, and my first funny. pair of sweatpants. I've never worn sweatpants in my life, so that means really? you know I've given up on life when oh, I buy wow. a pair of sweatpants. Sweatpants are amazing. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, Welcome to the club. <laughs> and then I went to... I went to Little Fish and I had Alonzo draw me a sign that says Will Thwip for Food in the 1994 Spider-Man logo font by Todd Klein. Nice. And I ended up becoming a huge hit at Anime Los Angeles. Everyone loved the costume. It's like you went from being a viral meme to becoming a living meme as Hobo Spider-Man. Wow. Especially because, you know, for the past three years I've worked as a writer and I've got my, I've been hunched over a desk you know, I grow a little dad bod now, so yeah, like, you do have a little belly. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's cute, so, but it's um, I'm like, yeah, 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 I know you like that. Know, so it's like, like, I'm like, yeah, the dad, bod is, in these, the dad bod is in these days. <laughs> but you know, I loved into the Spider Verse, and uh-huh. so, but you know, so you say Spider Man gave you a reason to have a belly, right? Yeah. <laughs> hobo Spider-Man. Peter B. Parker, the Hobo Spider-Man. Uh, so this, anyway, this, getting this back guy. getting back on track of things, you yeah. know, at San Diego Comic Fest, we're also bringing back some, uh, well, bringing in some animation living legends, I should say. Mm-mm. For the past couple of years, we've had Willie Ito, who, if you know your animation, he's the guy who animated the Lady in the Tramp scene with the spaghetti. Okay. He animated that. He also created Hong Kong Fooey. Yeah. Yeah, Hong Kong Fooey. Yes. Yeah. And so he's coming back to the show, but he's bringing some uh, friends of his. Okay. We, who we roll These with? gentlemen we are collectively known as the Three Tuners. Uh-oh. He's also bringing along with him Tony Benedict, who used to be a writer for the Jetsons, Flintstones, Top Cat, Huckleberry Hound, Yogi Bear, and Miguel Gorilla. Mm. That's an OG know, yeah. Hanna-Barbera Ruby Spears. So what did he, did he, did they, he was like one of the animators or one of the designers? He was a writer. Or? Writer. Ah, oh, get it. Okay. Way back in the day. Yeah, yeah, And then, of course, we've also got another, uh, the other, to close out the three, the trifecta of the, tree, the three tuners, <laughs> Jerry Eisenberg, who was a producer, animator, storyboard artist, and character designer at Hanna-Barbera, mainly for like Peter Potamus, Wacky Races, Super Friends, Jetsons, Huckleberry oh, Hound, Johnny okay. Quest, okay. and then later the Ruby Spears era with like Bang Face and Plastic Man yeah. and Thunder yeah. the Barbarian. Yeah, so like, would you say he was, um, did as much... For it, like Alex Toth, he was up there. The thing is, I don't think that um, design any. I don't really personally think any design work at Hanna Barbera was as iconic as Alex Toth because, right. I mean, for me, that's and that's just a personal thing because given. I always love talking with uh, another one of our special guests, Scott Shaw, about his time at Hanna Barbera, and talking about um, Scott Shaw who did Captain Carrot. Oh, I'm about yeah, to say, I'm like, yo, I'm about, about, I'm like, what the? Yo, I always <laughs> love talking about his stories interacting with uh, with uh, Joe Barbera because uh, Joe Barbera and William Hanna. So they had he, Scott told me they had this motto: 
why create when you can steal? Oh. Because, you know, they got burned for the whole Tom and Jerry thing when they are at MGM. So that's why they started they? off their thing. Dang. Yeah, they used to animate for uh, Tom and Jerry. So okay. but they got burned. So they decided, okay, let's just make our own thing. But then you look at, like, Magilla Gorilla and Huckleberry Hound and yeah. Yogi Bear. This is just the same thing over and over again. Yeah, yeah it was the same and then formula. You, you, you look at the you Flintstones it, you and then it. you got, like, you get, end up getting the Jetsons and stuff like that. These become formulaic stuff, which is different. If it premises. ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. And it keeps they're, they're a great cartoon. And Scott, Scott yeah. often told me that, you know, he loved Hanna-Barbera up until, you know, he tirelessly up until there were two moments. He was never a big fan of the Great Gazoo because he feels yeah. that's when Flintstones okay, jumped, jumped the, jumped jumped the, the jabber jaw. Yeah, they jumped the jabber yeah, jaw yeah, there. Yeah. But the other moment he says is Scooby-Doo because and it's like, well, what's wrong with Scooby-Doo? It's not like Scooby-Doo is a bad show, but he just says things became really formulaic because yeah. it became everything throughout the 70s. It's like yeah, the a, a bunch of kids running around with this random thing solving mysteries. So <laughs> right, it's like Jabberjaw, right, the right, Chang yeah, Clan, right, right. and like Love Bug, and like all this uh, uh, speed, bug, I mean, speed buggy. Uh, like, yeah, I remember all of those. I was desperate for any type of cartoon. But yeah. when you get into the Doug Wildy and Alex Toth era, I think those are like the Hanna-Barbera stuff that really resonates most for me. But Scott told me a great thing about how Space Ghost was pitched. Oh. It was pitched in three words. Can you guess those three words? Alex Toth that, is... No. Alec, Batman I, is I don't space. know what. Batman in, in space. space. Three words. It was... Joe Barbera pitched it. Batman in space. Uh. And literally, you look at how Alex Toth designed him. Alex Toth is that master because he creates complex-looking things that are actually really simplistic. Oh, yeah. And it's that simplicity of Lovely. it that makes it very easy to animate. Because, I mean, like, you could, like, probably just, you know, pick up a pen, draw Space Ghost in, like, three seconds. He's mm. that easy to draw. Yeah. I also love Space Ghost because he's the only character who uses a picture of himself for his insignia. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do love that. Got, and yeah. Thunder the Barbarian, uh, what was that? Thunder the Barbarian is with Ookla and, um, Urs- um what, Ursula? Ursula? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love Thunder Barbarian. Alex Toth designed them, right? It's like, well, it's, it's Tarzan in space. <laughs> Tarzan in space. That is, I never thought about it like that. Honestly, did he just design it in space? Yeah, it wasn't in space. It was like in the future. Yeah, it was like it was like it was like after the apocalypse, and then him and his, you know, the homies was going around on adventures, yeah. you know, doing what they want to do and everything. Okay. He was like a, a, a sorceress. A big, big um, monster dude or whatever, and then like you know, blonde haired, you know, barbarian dude, and then like the the, the horse, yeah, oh, it was like big old owl eyes, and it was the, it was the designs were so fresh. So yeah, that's the thing, and I love hearing these old Hanna Barbera stories from these old guys because it's like it's just it's just oh. hearing the stories of just what went on behind. Yeah, the scenes. it's, it's yeah. always so interesting to learn these things, and of course you get these living legends there at the. At the event. Real quick, mm-hmm. did you ever used to watch this thing on a Cartoon Network where at late night they would do like um I forget it was it Chuck Dixon hour or I forget his name Tex Avery hour Tex yeah, Avery. yeah 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 but they Avery. also had somebody else too they had two artists that they would do that and yeah. they would just show their cartoons with the Tex, with the Tex Avery yeah it was one Tom, te- with Tom Jones no not Tom Jones Chuck Jones Chuck Jones yeah yeah, yeah Chuck, Chuck Jones, Jones yeah it was Jones. it was both and those. of course they would have some introspective things and so I really liked watching those you know cartoon history yeah, things back yeah, when I was a kid back when that was Cartoon much. Network was a little more focused toward that sort of thing yeah so anyway moving on we yeah. do have more creators coming in I'm happy to announce the crew from Man of Action Entertainment really Venture Brothers 
No, not so Man of Action. No, no, no. Man of Action is That's, um, 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 Joe um, Kelly, Joe Casey, yeah. Steve T. Siegel, uh, yeah. and Duncan Rolo. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. So, as you know, yes. these guys held their own as comic creators. Yeah, they did. A very strong footing throughout the 90s on, like, Cable and X-Men yes. and that sort of thing. Okay. Before, in 2000, they, you know, started their own thing. I mean, like, Joe Kelly, when you look at his career, I mean... I'm not a big Deadpool fan, but Joe well, Kelly's Deadpool down. back yeah. in the 90s, oh my god, he that is my jam. With yeah. Ed McGinnis back in the day, that's my jam. That's yeah. like the Deadpool to end all. Uh, yeah. And yeah. then you you look at his other stuff like I Kill Giants, which, you know, when it came out, that just like broke yeah, everything. Yeah, that was yeah. like nominated for everything from Ice Storm Awards, from Young Adult Awards. Every mm. library wanted to have it around. So it's really great stuff. Mm. And then Joe Casey, who you know jumped around from X Men to like Officer Down and uh, Godland and all those right. like you know really crazy stories. And the thing is, I, I love most about Joe Casey is in his comics is just the supplemental writing that he does. I actually prefer his supplemental writing to his, as much as I love his comics, the supplemental yeah. writing he does is so informative and so educational. I love that, that stuff. So he can just, you know, chat up on it for days. Mm. And then Steve C. Siegel, who pretty much did, like, you know, House of Mystery, um, Up, Up, and Away, and so, like, all these, you know, great, you know, stories with Superman, with DC characters, with mm. creator on stuff. And he's his new short story book, uh, Get Naked, by Image, is really cool about societies. <laughs> like, you know, woes against nudity and then other stories like American Virgin which are really cool. I remember like, that one yeah that yeah. was cool and then Duncan Rolla who did the artwork for like Metal Man yeah and I remember just, like, all when this he came so, and then you know these guys you know joined together to make Man of Action Entertainment where right. that made Big Hero 6 and Ben 10 <clears throat> and the Ultimate oh, Spider-Man okay. cartoon and the current Avengers cartoon so they've got a good uh, good chunk of Something Good chunk of change under the no, resume. Yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah. They, huh. Yo, what was? Do you remember that Spider-Man cartoon on MTV? Unfortunately, the, the CG one. Would you ever get anybody that did that on a Comic Fest? Or would you ever want to talk to anybody? Yeah, let's like I would I would be down for a Jesus. okay Spider-Man cartoons. I didn't You're like. Ruthless. We got the creators of Spider-Man Unlimited and yeah. the MTV Spider-Man cartoon. Like, no, it's just. The, Even really I am a Spider-Man know. fanatic, yeah. but at and so pretty much it got to a point in my life where everything Spider-Man I would just absorb and entertain. Now right. something happened in 1999. Yeah. I think I had been reading. I'd been reading comics for seven years. I was like 13 years old at the time. I started not liking certain Spider-Man stories for the first time. So this was shortly after there was like a relaunch of things, and unfortunately, when they started with the new number ones, I wasn't digging it as much as I was initially. Uh, I mean, they had the John Byrne Spider-Man, he was just doing Amazing Spider-Man, and then Peter Parker with, uh, Peter Parker Spider-Man with Howard Mackey and John Romita Jr., and it's not like I don't like these talent, I mean, I, you know, John Byrne is solidified in comic history by yeah. redefining X-Men and Fantastic Four and, you know, countless characters and all that sort of thing, but I wouldn't dig in him on Spider-Man. And then, as as, and, and, then. And, and then on the Howard Mackey story, like, I mean, I will admit my all-time favorite comic, and not just Spider-Man comic, my all-time favorite comic is Peter Parker's Spider-Man uh, number 75, mm-hmm. which came out in October 1996. It's my all-time favorite comic. Okay. I've read that comic more times over no than anything. That's my straight-up, that where they... 
If they, that's the one where they ended the Clone Saga where Green Goblin, Norman Osborn, finally came back after 23 years and admitted uh, he was the architect behind the Clone Saga and that Ben Riley was a clone the entire time and he killed Ben Riley and that's where he admits that um, you know Ben Riley was a clone this entire time. He did it just to, he, he messed with the results wow. just to screw with Peter. Yeah. And like, this is so amazing. <laughs> and like, but you know, the Mackie and Romita team, like, you know, stories, it's like, I just wasn't digging it as much. And unfortunately, like, you know, that was also the year when yeah. Spider-Man Unlimited came out. Yeah. I loved that costume, but what? when I watched this show, I mean, the main villain is the High Evolutionary. It's got Venom and Carnage able to form bodies without hosts. Yeah. And, like, I was just seeing so They were much doing the most. They, jumped, they were jumping the shark by that time. Yeah, and oh so this, and, like, what John Semper had done on, on the Spider-Man cartoon, I just wasn't feeling it. And the thing, to make matters worse, is there was that deciding moment. Because Spider-Man Unlimited came on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. Yeah. On the Fox yeah, Network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then on the Warner Brothers Network, Pokemon was yeah, on yeah, at 9 yeah. a.m. And this was Pokemon the same. Was and this a, was, Pokemon was a beast. No, no, and that's when, and this, yeah, those were the episodes when Ash was on Victory Road. So he's finally getting making it towards a championship yeah. season. Things got really heated for Astro in those moments. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh my okay. god! I was like, I'm having to like scroll, scroll between channels, right, like, right, and okay. I'm like, you know what? I gotta watch Pokemon. It's the fame. first time in my life when I chose Pokemon, Pokemon. over Spider Man. Over Spider Man. Yeah, yeah she's and weird. the thing is, of course, in the late '90s, the thing is, I, ended, I became Pokemon addicted, and so like yeah. I stopped buying Spider Man toys so I could opt for for Pokemon cards. That thing is like you know every that's the, the Game thing. Boy you, and then you the saw, cards. If you look at my toy collection, there's just like. Lego Pirates, Spider-Man toys, Star Wars toys, and then... Pokemon. And there's, like, a little bit of Episode (laughs) 1, maybe, like, a Darth Maul figure in there. Yeah. But then you just see, like, in 1999, my toy collecting just dried up because Mm. of Pokemon. Yeah. Because I had to buy Pokemon stuff instead, like all the kids of the 90s. But Pokemon was fresh, though. How upset was every kid when Ash didn't win uh, the Elite Four, dude? Don't worry, he'll get used to it for the next 20 years. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's just a messed up joke. Okay, so, you know, back on track. Yeah, get back. We do have uh, more people coming in. There's a lot of folks out there who will say that comics of the 90s were bad. No, they're terrible. No, they're terrible. I said, eh, 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 then you were reading the wrong comics. You were reading yeah. Yeah. People, so there were some stuff like Marvel wasn't doing too hot. And no, they were trying to... Image wasn't doing too hot in the 90s. Dark Horse was hitting it right during the 90s, but more importantly, DC was hitting it right during the 90s. And... Mm. Now there is one comic that people stand, they say stand out stands out amongst um, the rest of '90s comics at DC, and that that particular comic is celebrating its 25th anniversary, and that of course is Starman, and James Robinson oh, okay. is coming to San Diego Comic Fest. Oh. Now, if y'all ever hung out at the San Diego Comic Art Gallery, it was run by a buddy of mine named T.J. Shevlin. Mm-hmm. T.J. Yeah, is TJ. the world's biggest Starman fan. Mm. And sings the praises of this Eisner Award-winning book to like to hell and back. Mm. In fact, he even has the Starman logo tattooed right on his arm. Damn. <laughs> so Commit- commitment. <clears throat> I thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if I let TJ lead that discussion? Yeah. Uh, all that Starman did for comics in the '90s, nice. that legendary run between Tony Harris and James Robinson. Mm-hmm. So I invited James Robinson. And he will be coming to the show nice. to celebrate 25 years of Starman with us. Yeah. And if you haven't done, I mean, I admit, have I, you read it? 
I've only read the first 20 issues. I read the first Omnibus. I still got five more to go. But that stuff is phenomenal. That's the Tony Harris stuff of the 90s. It I actually prefer yeah. that Tony Harris era to like modern Tony Harris. No, when he was, he, clicking was on, he was clicking on his cylinders. He was clicking on his heels. No diggity. I know that for me, I remember when it was coming out. I remember looking at it like like it was one of those storylines that would be too cerebral for me at that moment. I was more into like, you know, superhero stuff. Starman was like, you know, it's, it's, it's on some topics. And they're disguising it with some superhero stuff. And I'm like, and they're taking like some old school DC characters and they flipping and everything. I was like, they do, they're doing something. They're getting an opportunity to do something. I didn't get the chance to really check for them. I'm going to go check back for that. I remember when I did read some of the Starman stuff, I was like, all right, this is this is deep. I got to respect this. <laughs> right, you got to read it. Yeah, you got to respect it. <laughs> Put some respect on it. Yeah, so that one is one that's going to be something else. Because, mm. you know, when you look at also the things that uh, James Robinson did, like... JSA, the Golden Age, mm. and then you know he's gone on to so many other character, you know, characters and teams like you know Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. He did Wonder Woman for a bit. He has been really all across the board over like the past thirty years for writing comics, and you mm. know, he's 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 definitely hitting it. And then our next guest, I would like to announce here on the show, he's a winner of an Eisner Award, Kirby Award, Harvey Award, Inkpot Award. He co-created Nexus. He did the artwork for... Yep. Steve ah! Rude, the dude, is coming he's to awesome. San Diego Comic Con. Awesome. His artwork is amazing. He, I feel like he is like... He's like a I, I would say post. whatever lightning bolt... Uh, and this is, this is, this is, a, this is a, a big statement. <clears throat> whatever lightning bolt... Uh, Alex Toth grab Steve Rube was like, "Hey, I'm getting the tail end of that too, or something." You know, like, exactly. Like, you know what I mean? They, they, he had to have a solid classicness about him that was like, but he, but he, but he can, but he's modernized a little bit. He but modernized old school, it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like Mark so, Albert would, you know, done, yeah. And so he did, you know, bring he does bring that, you know, style of Steve Rube to the board. And there's this, you know, one thing is like, you know, he actually came to Comic Fest like on his own a couple of years ago. Mm, okay. Like three years ago, he came to Comic. It's like, is that just Steve Rude here? It's like, yeah, I kind of just came out from for the weekend because like, like I heard about this show. I heard Mike Royer was going to be here, so like I came out. I figured like, you know what? If he's just going to come out on his own, why not just bring him as a special guest to hang out with his homies? Yeah, yeah. What, makes sense. Like, what's up? Yeah. So yeah. and he, he said the first time he had a good time. It's like, all right, let's make him a guest. So okay. So he's coming in on it. Nice. I, I do love the Steve Root stuff, and um, I I have a blast with um, with all this sort of thing right there. And what are panels are you guys gonna do? Because the one time I went, I liked them the panels that you guys had. Mm-hmm. Like they were pretty cool. It was the I think it was the Jack Kirby one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the little Kirby Cafe where you guys did like these little panels, and then you guys showed the X Men cartoons. Like that was pretty cool. Are you guys gonna do any of that again? Uh, sadly, the creators, the X Men cartoon, are not going to make us out make it out this year. Yeah. Thing is, well, you know, well I'll say like you're going to do that with Spider Man, though, right? Like, yeah, the same okay, thing. You know, we're going to bring up, you know, definitely John and I have got some good stuff planned for Spider Man. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I want to hit things across the board and give Spider Man the celebration that it deserves yeah. because it's my favorite cartoon. I want to make sure that this is done right for yeah, like, yeah. You know, my personal fanboy. It's not just your favorite man; it's millions of fucking kids in the nineties, cool. like. We all grew up on that. Spider-Man, X-Men, and Batman. That was the cartoons that were like, all right, after Batman, Doogie Howser was on. I tried to yeah. go to sleep. And <laughs> like the cool thing is, I am very happy to say that when I, you know, when we did launch the 25th anniversary of the X-Men, like Eric and Julia Luol, the writers of the show, it made them blow up big. And all yeah. of a sudden, they're getting invited to every single con all over the board and that sort of thing. It's like, you know, we, 
It's like, yeah, we did that. But now the, this <laughs> year, it's like, they, sadly, they wa- we wanted them to come, but they've got this huge tour across Canada. Okay. So that's the thing is because, you know, the show was made in Canada. Yeah. So they're taking their, you know, joining forces with all the voice actors from back in the day and that sort of thing. And, you know, crazy, crazy enough, when they did their book previously on X-Men talking about the history of the show, the first person to get a copy, and he re- personally requested it, was Canadian pr- Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. <laughs> okay. And so they actually pr- had... Wolverine's voice actor presenting it to him. That's awesome. And it's like, wow, because he was a fan of the show too. Damn. Small world. You yeah, never man. know. You never know who, who who down, but to get down, man. That's great. What else uh, you guys got planned? What else do we got planned? Let's uh-huh. see. What else is in the woodworks for us? Um, there's a local guy who's uh pretty cool. He's uh you know been with this uh, company for a while. Then he joined another company for a bit. But he, now he's back with that other company as uh the president, publisher, and chief creative officer of IDW Publishing. Can we welcome Chris Ryle? To oh wow! Our show? Okay, okay, wow. Okay, I didn't know that the. You know, I guess the behind the scenes. I'm still, I'm still old school thinking. Yeah, so uh, it's like, and I couldn't think of a better guy for the job because you know he was with IDW and you know the editorial capacity for like you know for 14 years. Wow. And then like you know he got another you know offer on the table at Skybound, but then it's like they decided, hey, you want some bigger, you know, bigger piece of the pie, and of course that brought him back in because I can think of nobody better suited for the job or those three jobs than Chris Ryle, and so like having. IDW, you know, get, you know, back on things with him in, in the front seat. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he is the guy to drive that to take car. it to the next level. He is that guy because Chris mm-hmm. Ryle has the expertise, the passion, and that sort of thing. And the craziest thing is, you know, he is just an approachable guy. He's not like, dude, you think is like, you know, kind of the working stiff president right, of the company. Right, he is right. such a chill, nice, approachable dude who shares his passion with so many people and just sits and talks wrong with you for hours on end. <laughs> nice. Okay, cool. Mike, yeah, gotta got meet him. And of course, uh, let's get back into our cartooning side of things. Yeah, I am happy to bring on board Eisner and Harvey Award winner of uh, Too Much Coffee Man, Mister Shannon Wheeler, coming to the nice. fray. His books is always selling. I never have you ever read them? Yeah, yeah I love them. Like, like I always remember that, like growing up, I was like, yo, this is kind of weird. I was like, he do got a coffee head. <laughs> yeah, the coffee, coffee cup head. And I was just like, yeah. yeah, Too Much Coffee Man's amazing. Plus, I wasn't into coffee. <laughs> I was just like, yeah. I didn't get, it. I didn't get it. So I'm like, eh. the thing is, he, he said that the the cartoon is not about coffee because there's only three jokes you can make about coffee, and it's just like you know, it's just a person who's had too much coffee and the kind of shit they go through. Okay. So it's that's jittery. that's and so that's just the you know the oh, reaction okay. to thing and the got it and it's just a wildly entertaining and hilarious. And of course, he's a guy who started off just doing a self-published book, like Mm. literally printing copies of it himself. Yeah, and respect. Now he's a he's a cartoonist at the New Yorker. You don't get much bigger than that. Wow. So that's. It goes to show that if you build it, they'll come. Yeah, Yeah, and then of course you've done you know his own series of graphic novels, like one of the recent favorites I really like is uh, Shit My President Says where he <laughs> illustrates the uh, the tweets of Donald Trump oh no yeah. really they that's have hilarious this up at the, uh, but that'll be money though gallery. you can make money with that yeah. wow so rather oh, yes our acting president T-Rump Gotta and so it. that's and so <laughs> Shannon Wheeler is just such a wildly entertaining guy I remember back in 2011 when he was a special guest at the Alternative Press Expo I sat 
front row center at his spotlight panel, and he was telling the story about how he did the um, the bullet hole issue of uh, Too Much Coffee Man, where it's literally oh, the every whole scene. It's just whole, a, yeah, yeah it, like that. he's just getting shot through the top yeah. of his head on every single page. What? And to make it authentic, he would actually shoot bullets through that particular bullet hole for the authenticity's sake. So he told the story of this. And I just said, you know, we printed 500 copies of this book, and we decided, you know what, to make this authentic, we are going to uh, shoot actual bullets through them. Okay. So we're going to go out to the desert with a whole bunch of guns. And so just like, all right, fire, cool, cool, bam, bam, bam. And he's like, him and his friends, after a while, they're like, burn this, up the this, comic? this gets really boring. Yeah, when they burn up the comic? Yeah, it, well, they just, it, like, it worked with the small bullets, but then they had a, like a shotgun too, and they decided, all right, here's the <laughs> here's the shotgun variant cover, and it's like a scrap of paper. It becomes a scrap of paper like the size of a fortune cookie, it's like they and that's, yeah, that's too much. And they and he says because those are the rare ones, those are the most valuable editions. They probably would be. That's smart. Yeah, they probably would be. Too. But then he talked about in the '90s how everyone started stealing that from him. There'd be like Mike Deodato covers with like a dude. Just with a gaping, bloody bullet hole on the cover of the embossed, yeah. embossed book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when you hot, you hot. You know, as long as you, you know, when when you creative, you but get the problem. That was just the first. cover. They wouldn't do the rest of the thing in the book, so it was just the yeah. cover that yeah, just had yeah, a yeah. whole like stamped in it. So yeah, it was yeah. a gimmicky thing, but of course, know, it's a cool bit of. Comic but like, I did that first. Gave my props. <laughs> All right, and then for our science fiction side of fans who also like you know comic creators, we are bringing back Jonathan Mayberry. You know, he's won the Bram Stoker Award five times. He created V Wars, and it's that's coming to a Netflix original series, too, okay. as well as the Joe Ledger novels and the Rotten Ruin series and the Dead of Night. You know, he was the last guy to actually work with George Romero. Oh, wow. Okay. George Romero actually Damn. recruited him to do a prequel to Dawn of the Dead. Nice. A prequel? Yeah. So it's going to be after Night of the Living Dead but before Dawn of the Dead. Or did I get... Or you mean which, Night I, I mean, I get uh, whatever the first one was. I, Night I of the Living Dead. Of, I get yeah. my Of the Deads confused sometimes. <laughs> you can tell I'm not the biggest zombie No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those fucking titles get all confusing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, also on things, we've got legendary cartoonist Mark Schultz of Xenozoic Tales and Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. Nice. And you know, he also did uh, Prince Valiant, Superman for yeah. a while, so he's coming to the show. And nice. Okay. His, his line work is amazing. That was one of the things that Michael Lopez and I would talk about uh, when we were like trying to get into our inking. Look at like, you know, Schultz, like brush strokes. Like, you know, how he would, plus how he could draw too and everything. Like just, he would draw a scene of like, you know, this this hot chick and she's like, Running through the water, but you can see like below, like he'll put the water line like right there in the middle, so you can see like what's going all the all the stuff that's going underneath the water that she's not aware of. Yeah, and she's just running through. But the way he inks it, it like shows like you know, well here's the darkness underneath, here's the fish coming out of the darkness, here's this the rocks, the the seaweed, or you know, just what it was shows a lot. It, it, it's, he's it, it, he pulled it off. It was like and it just it wasn't like it was like sexy, super clean. It was like Adam Hughes before Adam Hughes. Oh, okay. You that's, know? that's a good way of putting it. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So it just like it was just like Adam Hughes does his thing. You know what I mean? But Adam is dope. He's yeah. sexy. He's slick. He's he's mooka on steroids, but, but laid down on a, on a satin pillow. You know what I mean? So you don't mess your hair up. But it's just like you know, it's it's like like shows is like he had breathtaking scenery and just like the strokes and the techniques yeah. was in there. Like if you if you if you trying to study some line work and everything, look at his shit. His shit is banging, like all day. 
Schultz is the yeah, Cadillacs and dinosaurs. Cadillacs and dinosaurs, and yeah, other folks coming along the way. Um, I find some of the best stories that you get and most informative panels actually mm. come from the people working behind the scenes. So I don't neglect inviting oh, editors. The, sto- to the, show. the stories that can be told from behind I, the scenes. I don't. I don't neglect editors, and I'm happy <laughs> to bring this lovely lady on board, Barbara Kiesel. Nice. She's supposed to be. She, she, and my homie uh, Ryan Odegawa worked on something like a little side project. That's cool. So yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. You know, she's you know been, she's you know she's won a Harvey Award. She's yeah. been Eisner nominated before, and like you know she's worked for Marvel, DC, Image, Crossing. Yeah. You know, she's she 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 was an editor on Watchmen. Nice. Yeah, it's like you know she 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 knows a whole lot of stuff, and she's just so nice and so informative. You can't get a bad story out of her, and I'm really happy to bring her on board. Yeah. And you know, I think another area that you know has been that we could have had a stronger focus on in terms of guests is detective fiction. So we're going to be bringing on Alan Russell, who has you know, an Amazon number one bestseller and you know 15 crime fiction novels. And he's been called by Publishers Weekly as one of the best writers in the mystery field today. So yes. like he's won okay. Critics' Choice Awards and you know even the Odin Awards. And and like I wish I could say I'm a I was a little more versed in him, but it's just like you know I only can read so much in a single day because yeah. I'm a busy man. <laughs> but I don't neglect my homies too. I'm happy to bring my homie Joe Phillips as a special guest. What Joe, the mighty Joe Phillips? Yeah, the Joe Phillips. Oh wow, big up! That's gonna be a show right there, just within itself. Give him, give him a tent. Yeah. Give, give him his own, like, <laughs> his own little tent. His own Joe Circus. Yeah, you, you got to go into the tent to, to pet the big cat. You got to go in the cage to pet the big cat. You know what I mean? Hopefully he brings his uh, uh, pink panther, black panther. Uh, you never know. <laughs> don't, don't, you, you, can't, you can't put baby in a box. <laughs> you can put him in a tent let him do his thing. But you, can, you don't know what he going to do. You never know what he going to do. He'll yeah. change his mind and pivot like at the last minute and be like, you know what? Nah, I'm coming as a... Uh, uh, one of the Skeksis from Dark Crystal or something. Did he? Yeah. Did he ever talk to you about an idea he had about a thing called Trapdoor Spider Man? What? Yeah, it's Spider Man, but he just used trapdoors to like capture people, and then the like a version of the Kool Aid Man was gonna be the villain, and he always broke down the door. What's yeah, the- me and Joe had like a, almost an hour long discussion about that. We were just laughing our asses out. Uh, I could I could dig it because the thing is that when I was uh, researching my cosplay for Hobo Spider Man, I learned there actually is a species called the Hobo Spider. Okay. <laughs> so what if you get bit by a radioactive Hobo Spider? Yeah, to yeah. Get, that, get the way. So yeah, that was his go. old version of it. Okay, that's wow. hilarious. And so coming on things too, um, this guy we're happy to have him back. He has been with us since the first San Diego Comic Fest. In fact, he has been with. Comic-Con, since the very first San Diego Comic-Con, he was one of the first three invited guests. Yeah. Please welcome Bill Stout. Nice. Mm-hmm. Bill Stout. Nice. Making his seventh appearance. So he, he's no, dope, man. man. Like I said, he, he is he, dope. He, he, he reminds me, his stuff reminds I remember coming across one of his books in the bookstore like as, as a kid. It was like these awesome dinosaurs. And I was just like, the detail, the, the car, it was realistic but cartoony. It was like, I was like, mess with this. I yeah, like he did this. the children's book Dinosaurs A to Z and also The Adventures of Littlefoot which was later adapted mm. into uh, The Land Before Time. Mm. And that was the thing. That that he, he, did, that he recently sense. did a talk at the uh, San Diego Natural History Museum mm-hmm. where he the did dinosaurs. the murals for the wall. Damn. He's a dinosaur lover though. And, There's and some he, people who love did, what they love. He did a retrospect on his 50 year career yeah. and it's phenomenal. The stuff this guy has done is like I'd like to think I know everything about everyone's career, but 
He's talking about his work <laughs> for National Geographic and all things across the board. It's just so dope what this guy has done. He did concept art for Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to ask that if he had anything to do with Jurassic Park. Since yeah. Like a big it's not, in fact, the first published copy of the book okay. had a note that was presented to him straight up from Michael Crichton. He says, you influenced this. Mm. Damn. For people who don't know, or maybe you need some like some some way to understand what, who what he is or what he's what his styling is. If you're familiar with Arthur Adams, yeah. So Arthur Adams has a level of like detailing and like you know putting these detailed textures over big shapes and stuff like yeah. that. And still having some bounce and stretch when he's doing his stuff. Styles is like that for mine. When I remember seeing, I remember seeing his stuff, and I was like, like I said, the detailing, the you know the, the life that he puts to the characters and everything. Like that. I was just like. It just captivates. I was just like, I, it's, it's, you know what I mean? I can believe it. It's, it yeah. and, and, and learn from it and grow from it. I, I loved it. I was just like, wow. Kept that so book. So if you're trying to all dinosaurs, children, learn well, from it. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, if you're trying to get into it, it's, you know, see through the eyes of somebody who already sees them and loves them yeah. intimately like that. And so he's one of those people who intimately loves, you can tell, like, like, he loves that shit. You know what I mean? You know. Okay, other folks were happy to bring him back on board. Uh, writer from Forbes and ICV2, Mr. Rob Salkovich. He's the author of Comic-Cons and the Business of Pop Culture. Mm. So it's really okay. cool to see that Rob comes to the show and loves the show and has such great enthusiasm for it. He's always on Forbes talking about like the business of comics and the business of pop culture yeah. and stuff. And like, you know, why Loot Crate is failing as a business and that mm. sort of thing. So he always brings these really insightful articles on things. And it was Crazy because, you know, I had him, you know, talk with my dad for a little bit as we're going through last year's fest. And he explained the comic industry to my dad to a way where my dad actually understood it. Because my dad's always been supportive of my comic book addiction, but not quite getting it. And he, Rob says, okay, it's like a pyramid. You have the comic book industry, which is worth a billion dollars. And then you have, like, going up, you have the toy industry. You have the comic con industry, which is worth $5 billion. And then the toy industry on top of that worth $10 billion. And just, you know, condensing it into, like, a business period, showing about, like, you know, this feeds into this, this feeds into that. And so, like, all fed to the dorks. Yeah. (laughs) He monetized it. Yeah, that's how you make money at this shit. And he's like, oh, okay, I can see it now. It makes sense now. It ain't just following somebody in spandex and reading funny books. Oh, there's money behind this. I'm like, yeah, homie. You oh, can yeah. make money. You can eat off this. Yeah, and then uh, next guest I want to uh, happy to bring back is Mr. Scott Shaw, creator of Oddball Comics and uh, co-creator of Captain Carrot. He's pretty much done... He was like an animation director at Hanna-Barbera back in the day. I know we talked about him a little earlier, yeah. about his you know yeah. love for the Flintstones and that sort of thing. He animated like the Fruity Pebbles commercials and stuff back in the day, too. Really? I did not know that he was an animation. I, I, I remember reading Captain Carrot as a kid, and that was my jam. Like, you couldn't tell me that Captain Carrot and Amazing Zoo Crew wasn't popping. It was like that perfect blend of, like, action, funny, animals. Uh, they had the puns and the jokes and everything, but it was just like... It they was had Al Plastino, Superman drawn in there, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it just made sense. It, it, just, it just was like... This was, it, was, it was just a complete fun read for me at that time in my life. Yeah. And so, to get older... I've always still loved it. You know what I mean? I got all the episodes, all the issues. I, I read them. I, I don't know why they haven't made that into a cartoon. You think you think Captain Carrot and Amazing Zuku would work as a cartoon nowadays? I think it could work as like something. It's like, I don't even know. Has he How should they treat team? it? Has he... How should they, should they treat it? Do it like a Teen Titans Go. Yeah, I'm about to say it. Should uh, they, well, no, hold on. You think like Teen Titans Go. Okay. That's like funny. Is, I, would, I would say yeah. have it crossover with Superman and Batman because you do need that character recognition to come mm-hmm. in to make it successful yeah. for things mm-hmm. but um you know it's got uh 
It's got a little bit of it, you know, here and there. It's like I think, you know, it's an acquired taste, but I it is. like that, you know, Captain Carrot is seeing uh return to form after Grant Morrison's multiversity. Right. Where right. like Adrian first learned about Captain Carrot and just like sort of freaking out about it. I remember the first time I brought Adrian to Comic Fest. He's like, Adrian, meet Scott Shaw, he's the creator of Captain Carrot. You created Captain Carrot? Captain Carrot is the leader of the intergalactic neighborhood yeah, watch. He's so down. awesome and it's yeah. like and it's like Scott's like, geez, this kid knows more about the character I created than right, I do. Right, right. Yeah. It, yeah. Man, it's just like I think if they were to do it as a cartoon, in my opinion, as a fan, I would definitely give it the um, Young Justice vibe. That would be sick. That would be sick. Thank you. You know, what I mean, like I say, because like they are, they, they, you don't need to make jokes of what it is. It, it is what it is. But it's like the tone is like you don't have to go over top to make it something special. It's, it's already special. So I'm like, I think what would you do to like to help make it, you know, bring it in? I'm like make it make it serious. We haven't seen that. I was like, that would be dope. If I were to do a project like that, that's what I would do. I would take Captain Carrot type type isms and treat it serious. That's my formula. I done gave my formula away to the people. Damn. Yeah. And so. Don't be biting me. If you do, give me something. Right, it'll come out. <laughs> but and, yeah. and our next guest I'm happy to bring back, I'm always happy to have this guy, Mike Royer, who you might know was Jack Kirby's inker back in the 70s on the fourth world and Devil mm, Dinosaur nice, and the Demon nice. and so many things across the board. And after his time at uh, working with Jack, you know, he spent 20 years working for Disney as the Winnie the Pooh guy who did the commercial artwork for Winnie the Pooh and several Disney uh, Disney merchandise pieces. So oh, nice. he is pretty okay. much... he. It, it's crazy. He, he draws that Kirby stuff and he yeah. draws that Winnie the Pooh stuff. So, mm. like, it's so radically different, but it's so awesome. Plus, Royer, you know, here's a 78-year-old man who is always the life of the party, you know, nice. always out there, you know, mingling with the girls and whatnot. And you gotta, yeah, give, him, yeah. gotta give him credit. He is a charming dude. He's a charming dude. <laughs> like Steve, every, every, like, like, like Storinko? Uh, yeah. Uh, Funny because I was I was hanging out at I was at the Dallas Comic Con a couple months back, and after the the after party, I actually bump into Royer and Storanko and just have mm. some cool stories with them. And the cool thing with um, at every single Comic Con that Royer is at, some girl will text me. He's like, Matt, look, Mike Royer just drew me Eeyore on a on a bar napkin. Ooh. He goes to the bar and like <laughs> he draws Winnie the Pooh characters He's on like, napkins. I didn't get that formula. He got that formula. He got that down. I got something better than a drink. He got that down. He got that down. I got something better than a drink. Get this. And then of course, um, we are happy to bring this guy, this uh, man back on board. He is an Eisner Award comic writer, a prolific comic writer for television animation, and the authoritative, uh, you know, man on all things Jack Kirby, comic book historian Mark Evanier. Now, mm, people okay. people call me the world's youngest comic book historian, okay. but I'm not afraid to call Mark Evanier the world's greatest comic book historian. Give it because, up. Because, like, I am but a drop in the ocean compared to mm. this, the what this yeah. man had. So, I mean, I'll, I'll reference an incident okay. that happened this week. You bucky, so, Captain America, I feel you. Yeah. Okay. So, the thing that happened, like, there's a thing that happened earlier this week. So, I've been reading Hey Kids Comics by Howard Chaykin, which is a fictional retelling of the comic book industry of, like, with characters resembling Stan and Jack and, like, oh, wow. the okay. Golden Agers and, like, how they got kind of, like, screwed out of their um, oh, wow. okay. their due by companies and whatnot. Yeah. And um, as things go along the way, um, there's, a, there's a story that popped up where an editor wasn't paying a freelancer his due. And the freelancer mm. got super pissed off and then like pushed you, this guy and hung him out a window. Woo, yeah. Some shit, nice shit. I like it. And I'm thinking like, <laughs> thing is, I, I had heard this story before. So 
I went to a book that uh, Mark Evanier did with Sergio Aragones, um, and Sergio drew a picture of it. Mm. And I read that little entry on it, and I was thinking, wait, hold up, because, like, I've heard the story, but I've never heard the parties involved in it. So, like, <laughs> after reading Evanier's chapter, he was kind of, like, dismissing it, but... Howard Chaikin was bringing it up again, so I like took a picture of the Sergio drawing and sent online, and I tag, um, I tag Howard Chaikin in it, and and then say like, did this actually happen? Because I thought this was just a rumor. So it's yeah. like you know I'm 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 addressing you know I'm I'm, ad- <laughs> right. I'm addressing a rumor to see if it, there's actually fact. And I said, who are the parties involved? Evan in here says it's not Julia Schwartz. May have been Mike Sikowski, but probably not Mike Sikowski. I'm trying to find who was involved. Yeah. And um, Scott Shaw jumps in and says, like, you know, it was actually, he thinks it was actually Alex Toth. Ooh. That hung Morty Weisinger out really? of Really? Toth going gangster Toth? like that? Nice. He says, he alleges this because Toth was bipolar. Oh, okay. And yeah. after, you know, a guy coming in and, like, you know, dangling a check in front of him, the line that was read was, so, like, do you like to be he- kept dangling? Oh. And, you know, tell- because the editor was like, I don't think this is good enough. I don't think this is good enough. Evanier in, the- in his entry says, this was just a tactic the editors used. Of course, they would accept the work, but this is to prevent them from asking for raises and stuff along the way. So, they... And then it's crazy because, like, Chaykin is jumping in saying who he thought it may have been. Yeah. Then freaking Joe Jusko jumped in saying who he might have said. Oh, like, wow. and, like, and all these people, there's like, I didn't think that this many legendary figures of the comic book industry would jump in on this. But then yeah. Evanier comes in and says, well, here's the thing. I know, like, I respect all you guys. And I'm mad. I think you read my chapter wrong. And he says, because I don't think it happened. And Evanier actually offered a refutation that this story was actually just a falsehood and just an exaggeration of things because okay. he says the dismissive tone that, you know, the, the story that dismisses the, the story is the windows did not open at the DC Comics office back in the 50s. Mm. Okay. So he thinks this story actually did not happen. It's yeah, just a yeah, great yeah. exaggeration. And of course, I'm going to mess with Papa Bear. Papa Bear, because like, I mean, I'm looking for facts and all these like you know great figures of comic book history are yeah. telling who they think it may have been in that story, yeah. but of course Evanier says, guys, it didn't happen because the do- the windows didn't open. So it's just a, something simple like that yeah. that can you know you get take like you know your history and just like you know turn it to just you know a rumor. How many, how many times do you think that actually happened, man? Like somebody has to go fight for them. Like I said before, I've seen that KPBS documentary about the comic book one where it's just Steranko like. Mm-hmm. Grab somebody and was like, if you don't pay me my money, I'm gonna like throw you out of a. You know? It was old school. Those are, it's a whole because he, he was talking you know about me? the Nick Fury pages that he yeah. made with no uh, words in them, and he was saying that the the editor at Marvel didn't want to pay him. So Strange was like, if you don't pay me, I'm gonna like throw you out this window. And I was Ooh. like, all right. Like I, I wonder how many stories of those are. Did Jack Kirby like ever say, do that? Was, Did Stanley ever do that? Those are men from a different time. Gener- yeah, right? Our life was different, harder. It was yeah. a different era. So those cats there, you know, like they don't get online and be like, oh, I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm gonna talk about it online. They're like, no, I'm going to the office oh, and go up. get my fucking cash. You owe yeah. me fuck. I gotta pay these bills. So, and, and it's really cool to hear these kind of stories and debate these kind of stories and that sort of thing along the way. So, we got some more uh, animation guests. We have some animation royalty coming in. We, we have Ooh. Rob and Ruth Clampett, who are the children of the legendary Bob Clampett. Okay. You know, the guy who did Looney Tunes and uh, Amy and Cecil. And... Okay. Nice. So, 
they're coming in to talk about their father's legacy in animation, mm. and, and it's also were. the 70th anniversary of Time for Beanie, and it's also the 50th anniversary of the final Looney Tunes cartoon. So that is something that um, we could really, you know, the finals. Have. The final Looney Tunes cartoon was 50 years ago. But which, what was what's the final Looney Tunes like? What was it like? I actually don't recall. Talking about the last one they ever made mm-hmm. before they started because they closed down the cartoon studio. Got it. Got it. Okay. Got so that was the end of the era. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. And then uh, we also got uh, another guy making a return after he had such a fun time at Comic Fest last year, Mr. Buzz Dixon. Hmm. So if you know okay. him, he did Thunder the Barbarian, hmm. G.I. Joe, Transformers, Batman the Animated Series, Tiny Toons. He's done films, he's done comics, he's done manga, he does novels, he's, he, Buzz does everything. Sounds like he's popping like that. He had a great spotlight panel with TJ last year. TJ was just kind of just going off mm. with him, talking about him writing the Transformers movie mm. and all that like G.I. Joe stuff back in the day. It's like, I'm not a big Transformers guy or G.I. Joe guy, but that was yeah. a fascinating panel. I bet. Like I say, G.I. Joe's and Transformers just captivated, just captivated because, everybody during that time. Yeah, because during the 1980s... If you down with one, you got to be down with the other. If this was a cartoon that was basically... If it, if it was an... If it was a toy advertisement disguised as a cartoon, Buzz was writing it. Mmm. He was one of those. Okay. Yeah. You know, I may, have, we're back I may have to watch that show again, but do you know if, um, did you ever see the Toys That Made Us on Netflix? Was yes. he in that? In um, any of those episodes? I think Buzz was in an episode. Uh, TJ the... was not in an episode, but a lot of folks that were worked with him. Yeah. Uh, there's like people like uh, Scott Zillner, who runs the uh, Pasadena Comic Con, which I sadly had to miss today because I'm you know too busy. Yeah, I really yeah. like that show. He was on it. Um, Thomas Lone, who's a local comic, uh, comic uh, and toy collector, who runs, um, which is why I'm forgetting, um, <laughs> Comic Relief Podcast, I believe. And then he does... Uh, he was on that show, and yeah, he was uh, on the Chris, one. Yeah, yeah, Chris was on. Uh, Chris, who runs Super Seven Downtown, was also on an episode. The He Man one, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was the He Man one. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of folks that we know who were on that show, and I should make the time to watch it because you know I have heard it's just nothing but informative. If you like the toys, I, they should make a, the '90s version with Spider-Man and all that. So you would love that. I mean, oh yeah, who, who like, if they wanted me to be the guy on that show, it's like I would, you know, definitely be down. I feel like, come on, Netflix. <laughs> And then we've also got uh, another wonderful animation legend who is joining us once again, Mr. Floyd Norman, who spent a decade working with Walt Disney, starting okay. working on Sleeping Beauty back in 1956. He was Disney's Dang. first black animator. Get it in. And he's still working on Disney stuff these days. Okay, still working. That's the best. Yeah, he the man is a living legend. And then he did um, a Netflix uh a documentary recently. That's called, what I was going to uh, ask. Yeah, about, he did My Animated Life. Yeah. So that was a... You know, beautiful. That was a beautiful show to watch too. As I really loved it. And then other folks coming along the way. Trina Robbins is coming back. You might know her as the first woman to draw Wonder Woman for DC Comics, hmm, okay. and uh, she also co-created Vampirella. Nice. Yeah. And you know, this is just like there's just so many other names to right, go. Like right. so, like if you're into sci-fi, so we got Greg Bear, we got Greg Benford, we got David Brin, we got Werner Vinge, and then we have our mix of science fiction and science of science fiction guests, including physicist Roger Friedman, who is the... He wrote University Physics at UC Santa Barbara back in the day. What we do okay. at our panels is we have actual scientists come sit down and answer questions. And so it's the science fiction and the science fact of things. Nice. Last year when we did 200 Years of Frankenstein, it was great because we had our, we had our, guests, our science fiction guest of honor, Nancy Kress, sit down with a friend, friend of mine, Ronald Coleman, who has a PhD in regenerative biology, mm. and talk about, like, 
this is how Frankenstein could actually be made. This Ron can right. talk about like how zombie outbreaks would actually okay. work or how vampirism actually works using actual biology, and it's so fascinating. No, Real that's, quick that's though, really... are you going to do that lawyer thing again? The legal geeks, yes, they yeah. will be back again once once more. Yeah, I wanted to see that. You remember that one, Jay? The, the trial when there was like, what was it, defending uh, Frankenstein? Yeah, it's like the people v. Victor uh, Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was nice. the movie version of Frankenstein, of Dr. Frankenstein, saying, should Frankenstein be tried as a child, the monster, and should Dr. Frankenstein be held liable for his creation's actions? Yeah. Interesting. Wow. My mind's already popping. Do you know what they're going to do this year? Or is it a surprise? It may have something to do with Two-Face. Oh, okay. Hmm. All right. I don't know it, but uh, they definitely said they wanted a Batman theme, and they did want Two-Face in it. So I think that's a really good approach to things. So that's really sitting up. Because you've had stuff, like in recent years, like we had the Frankenstein trial. The year before was the ethical logistics of the Sentinels. Are they actually legally sound to call a preemptive threat, or is this racial profiling? Yeah. The Sentinels? The Sentinels. From Marvel Universe? Yes. Wow, okay. Are they, they out actually the legally deterring threats, or is it racial profiling? Yeah. Well, well, no, yeah, it's definitely racial profiling. True that. You know, my peoples. Let's keep it 100. So as you can see, guys, we have an eclectic mix of things. We have a great dealer hall. We have <laughs> fan tables. We have a great atmosphere for just about anything and everything and we will be back at the Four Points Sheraton off of Arrow Drive so that's a wonderful resort okay. area and hopefully it doesn't have just torrential rains like when we were there last time but don't worry uh, they, they've done some renovations on the place and they've been fitted with a new roof and beautiful new architecture and that sort of thing so the slight imperfections of the venue have actually been outfitted because the new management has been so nice and so wonderful we have a beautiful artist alley with tables only 25 dollars for artists okay. we have okay. some rooms there and as you can see we have a pretty stellar lineup of guests along yeah. the way and we have some even better programming for it last year forbes called us america's best small convention Aww. and i want to take things to become america's best convention yeah. ambitious i like it i am ambitious i i gotta do it Hey, man, that's you you got to set a goal, right? You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. You, know, you know what you're trying to do? Did you know that the original hotel over there, um, where the first Comic-Con was? Is, the U.S. Grant? Yeah, it's, it's just, they, they knock it down. No, it's still there. No, it's the one where you go, um, they were talking about the same, yeah. You sure it's not the one at the corner of, uh, when you <laughs> go underneath the, uh, the, the highway, like, going, like, if I'm going over towards the, the mall? And going down there. Oh, you mean the town and country? Yeah, the town and country. Is that oh, the yeah. First, yeah. Is that the no, first that, well, that's where we had the first comic fest. So. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So yeah, we had a uh, comic fest there for the first four years that's as we is. grew into things, and then we had uh, we went to the the Four Point Sheraton for yeah. our fifth year, yeah. and then okay. they got new management shortly after we were there, and they were not exactly being. As flexible with us as we wanted. They said that area where you have the artist alley, we don't want any artists there. It's just, well, we need to be able to accommodate our artists. Because, I mean, if we can't support the artistic talent of San Diego, then, like, there's no room for us. So we, you know, had to go back to the the town town and country for things. And it's like, you know, it's like putting on an old pair of pants. It's like, you can pull them up and make them fit, but it's a little bit of a tight squeeze, but you can make them work. But the management at... The Four Points was being 
after being less than flexible, they kind of alienated a whole lot of events. Mm. And so now okay. we, but they are being accommodating with, with us for the new management, which we deeply appreciate. Nice. So we're very happy to work with the new management for uh, the Four Point Sheraton. And we are, you know, back there for March 7th through the 10th. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. a Thursday through Sunday events. The things will get started in the afternoon on Thursday, so you're not going to be missing too much in the morning if you want to pick up your work day or whatnot. So it's going to be like a kind of a preview night at San Diego Comic Con. While we're just, you know, literally putting on our pants and putting on our best face and getting all the, uh, letting all the talent come in for the show. Because we want to cultivate that small, intimate environment for everyone to just have a great time with. And that's just what we, that's what we strive for. Nice. And what's the date? 7th through the 10th. And if you have any, uh, you know, other stuff, just check us out at www.sdcomicfest.org or okay. check us out on our Facebook page, San Diego Comic Fest, or Instagram at SD Comic Fest, and also Twitter at SD Comic Fest. And, uh, you know, we our Facebook page has been getting some pretty high praise. Hmm. Heidi McDonald of the Comics Beat said, who's running the San Diego Comic Fest page? That page is straight up fire. Mm. <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, right? I don't know who it, I don't know who uh, it is. Oh, did you? Nah. Okay. Do I sound like straight up fire? Well, yeah, you know what you're talking about. On the internet. When you, when you, well, no, when you, I don't know <laughs> how, I, I how your Twitter like fingers is. I'm right? just saying. You know, you get down. You know what you're talking about. You come prepared. Oh, man. That's, that's a sign. That's saying something. Well, guys, don't forget to go, man. It sounds like fun. No diggity. I know. Uh, we, we would love to go. But this year, we're going to go? Yes. <laughs> we're going to go this year. I'm tired of y'all missing out. Yeah, right? I know. I know. Like I said, we're going to get it in like that. So um, that's the mission. So we're, how are we on time? Oh, well, that's it. We are done, done so. Is there anything else you want to chop it up, talk about, and everything? Like, I don't know. You, you want to throw me a you know, want to throw me a fastball real quick? Uh, well, I will say this: I have not seen Aquaman. I want to, you know, I, I'm, a, you know, I, you know, I'm always you still like, haven't seen it. I'm, I'm going to. Don't worry. I'm going to. Don't worry. I haven't seen but it I see, but I seen Into the Spider Verse, <laughs> yeah, and I saw yeah. Venom. So I will say that you know, yeah, I'm like, yeah, Sony be fucking up. Yeah, I got to keep it there. They be, they, you know, they be fucking up, and I'm like, y'all, homie, well, with Venom, I, w- I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I was actually down with it. You know what I mean? Like I said, I understand why they were doing it. I was like, oh, how you going to do a Venom movie without Spider-Man? But they made it work. It is a story within itself. It's like, yo, I'm a, it's an alien come down to Earth and bonds with somebody. Cool. Yeah, it didn't bond yeah, with yeah. Peter. It bond with um, Eddie. It was just, it, cool. I'm it, down with that. Is. And Eddie playing it over the top. It how would you act, like, how would you act if you knew you had like a parasite in your it, skin? It looked like the best superhero movie of 1997. Probably. Right. Well, you know, you know what? Like I'm like, I'm the biggest loser I feel you. I feel you. They definitely could have did more filming tricks. I mean, it looked good. As opposed to relying on the CG. Because some of the fight scenes with all the Venoms was hardcore like on my eyes yeah. but overall I thumb, I give it a thumbs up you know what I mean I get it, I give it an Excelsior right. you know I'm a true believer I, you know so I'll take it and it's like, it's like all the veins bug me out because I, I love vein vascularity yeah, yeah, when yeah, done yeah, right yeah, yeah. but I, I, they couldn't put the spider symbol on his chest yeah it was weird that they didn't so, do that, so they made the white veins to give you that webbing feel yeah. You know what I mean? So they're like, we can't give you the webs. Uh, yes, we can't. Just, you know, there's just the, design the, sense-wise, it only just makes sense. But, you know, overall, the buddy cop, you know, vibe that they had with each other, Eddie Hart, and, um, um, I forgot how much. Eddie and Venom? No, um, the dude who plays him. Eddie Brock? The, the, Tom, Tom, Tom Hardy. Hardy. So Tom Hardy's portrayal of Eddie being like, I'm over the top playing this. But I'm like, forgetting the greatest superhero movie of last year. What? Teen Titans go to the movies. I saw I that. I don't like Teen Titans. I saw go that, and I like. You, know, you know what? I like Teen Titans go. I'm down with that. I saw that in the movies, and I will say this: uh, 
I saw it. I understand what they're doing, what they were trying to go for, and I ain't mad at it. But I will say, I would have much preferred a Young Justice movie. Well, you got Young Justice back. Well, here's the thing. Screw that. Like, I'm no, like, I a never, movie. I have, a movie. I know. But People here's the thing. Know I have never heard anyone say, I don't like Teen Titans and give a reason why. All they do is attach a comparison to the previous Teen Titans, which was canceled six years before this one came out. Teen Titans Go is funny. It's it is. amazing. It is. It and is. I don't understand why people don't like it. It's because they like the old, I'll like this, the original Teen Titans cartoon was actually popping, but they just shut it off for no reason. It, it had a fan base that was true and down with it. And then yeah. all of a sudden they just cut it off and give you the cartoony kitty shit. It's just like, what? why are you switching up my formula for cereal? I don't like that. You know what I mean? Without, without a justified reason. Are they like, well, like it ain't selling toys. And it's like, okay, well, get better toys. Because we like the, we like what you got going down. Yeah. We like the style. We're, we're down with the whole get down. Well, I mean, it's like, you know, Young Justice came back. Young Justice came yeah, back. Yeah, I know. And it's like, I haven't watched it yet because the it's thing It's good is, so far. I'm I down know, with it. I'm happy the it's back. The formula ain't hard to... Because the thing they is, had you know, I, I don't like teen superhero teams. That's Why? You sound like you're a hater. I am a hater. Well, he hates those things. The thing I'm is, mad. just so like, I'm just like, I was just never really... Because teen books for me, on. they just become about villain fights and... I don't. I don't stick with them very. Like very. In, I'm not very, very into them. Yeah, like yeah. even yeah. from a young age, when I like when it's like, oh, X Men's coming back. It's X Men Evolution. I see it as a 14 year old kid. It's like, what does he do to Nightcrawler's hair? Wait, to turn him into teenagers now? Yeah. Wolverine's the only old guy. <laughs> Pass. But I will admit, Hater. I was wrong about <laughs> like X Men Evolution season one. No, was you're, kinda, pure, you're it was, No, it was kind of meh. But season two, they stepped it up. They stepped it up for yeah, the later yeah, season. Yeah. That, they made that work. That was yeah. a show that I didn't like, really, but I watched it. Really? And then it became like... And it, like, got, okay. it got really yeah, good. Yeah. I'm just a and, cartoon lover. So anything yeah, cartoon and X-Men and shit, was Of course, I eventually for. did watch Young Justice. And I'm like, okay, that was dope. That was legit. That was my yeah, yeah. jam. Because, you know, that's... It's written by Greg Weissman. Greg Weissman, who did Gargoyles and the Spectacular Spider-Man yeah. cartoon. And, of course, like... I love the spectacular Spider-Man. That was the first time I said I didn't think I would like another Spider-Man cartoon after mm. the high tier that yeah, John yeah, Semper yeah. left. But unfortunately, there's a thing with Weissman shows where he always hooks you because you can tell he has a story in mind with a beginning, middle, and end. Now, when he does that, but every single time, it's always some kind of network drama. With yeah, Gargoyles, yeah. it shifted away from the Fox network because... Disney's like, okay, we want to do our own thing on one Saturday morning. But, of course, when you take it away from Fox, you kind of have to... They basically neutered Gargoyles for the Goliath yeah, Chronicles. And Gargoyles was dope, but the Goliath Chronicles was like... Well, I'm like, watch... I, I watched it once. It's like, what is this? <laughs> Weissman said once he watched... He watched each of those episodes one time and then never again and just does not consider them to be part of Gargoyles' continuity. And if you see them, you can understand why. Okay. And then he did yeah. um, the Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon, which was legit. But unfortunately, when that came out, and it was in its, like, nearing season three, yeah. Disney bought out Marvel. And they decided okay. to do, like, we're going to scrap this and just start up with a new, the ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. But the Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon was dope. And then, of course, Young Justice, as you mentioned, was a victim of lacking toy sales. Which is a dumb reason. It was still a great show, but I'm happy they brought it back for because the fans, the fans was like, you know what? We got to prove and show that there is a demand for this, and if, if business one on one, you know, demand supply. 
So it's just like, yeah, I was one of the fans that watched and rewatched Young Justice on Netflix because I was like, yeah, they, they, once it got out, like, yeah, we keep watching and show that we want this. I was like, yeah, let me play my part. So I watched all that shit twice. I'll probably watch it again. You know what I mean? Because I did like it a whole hell of a lot. And I knew that I want to let people yeah. know. I support this type of scenario. And y'all, I love y'all, the build up like the, the big off. bad is Starro. Like, oh my god. <laughs> I know, but Starro going to be fucking around. Starro's dope. I know, Starro's dope. And, you know, now <laughs> it's on, it's got a season three. But the problem there is, it's on DC's streaming service. Streaming service which, so not, which, which is a money grab situation from mine. Which I'm, or, or the future. I'll put it to you this way. I don't even have Netflix. Yeah. yeah, you. Yeah, you. it's like I don't have Hulu. I don't have Netflix. I don't have any subscription services. I if I'm gonna watch something because I I just can't make the time to sit down and watch something like I used to. So I can't just be wasting money every month. So yeah. like, I mean, when I look at the offerings of DC's subscription service, the only thing that's remotely tempting to me is Young Justice, and yeah. I don't want to be watching them Ratchet Titans. Yeah, right. I haven't seen them all. I've seen some, but I was like, Isn't you know it, I think it's only like five bucks though. So if anything, buy it for a month, watch the whole Young Justice, and then to just cancel it. Okay, I mean, I can, or, I can I'm, get. I'm they got a week free trial, dude. Watch it within a week, and then that's it. Okay, okay, yeah, because I mean, I'm. Well, you I'm might, you might fall in love with the content. That's what they're hoping. If if they if the DC brings every single animated movie show everything they've ever you know done. They will. I will do you know, it. And if it's like, like $5. This, they need that content. But I'm and debating, I'm debating between that don't and the front. Disney one. They the Disney streaming up. service, mm-hmm. that one seems like it, if they do it right, it can be fucking great. The whole list of fucking movies. I get to watch the Mighty Ducks trilogy again. I mean, come on, man. Uh, I'll be down I'll, for some Mighty Ducks. I'll do it. I've been watching it on uh, HBO because they got it right now. You know what demand. I would be down for? I would be down to watch all those straight to VHS sequels to the animated movies. The, yeah, 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 yeah. the Little Mermaid 2, yeah, The Lion yeah. King 2. Oh, the sequel to The Lion King was funny. No, but the good ones were the, the Aladdin sequels. Those were dope. Uh, yeah, I had yeah. those. I had all three. Yeah. Aladdin. Uh, what was dad the finally comes back in the third King one. King of the Thieves. Yeah, yeah, Dad. Dad, we still watch a shit ton of those in my house. Real quick, one last thing. I always wanted to talk to you about this. Mm. I know you probably didn't even play the game, huh? The Spider-Man game. For PlayStation 4? Yeah. I haven't played it yet. It is, to me, and a lot of people have have, uh, passed it, probably the greatest Spider-Man story that came out last year. Yeah, I mean, I've been hearing hearing that that a lot. Uh And the thing is, I don't have a PlayStation 4. And it's like one of those things. Like I said... I'm not gonna get yeah, you're not gonna streaming get it, for one it. show. Yeah, you're I'm not, not gonna, gonna buy a console for one game. <laughs> yeah. So it's like I need to because if, if anything, you could always go on YouTube and just watch the whole cutscenes. That's all you really need to do. It is what, what <sighs> but I, I I would probably appreciate the experience. You would more on because this. you get to play as Miles and Mary Jane, but Miles before he gets bit. Miles doesn't get bit until the very end. But you got you spoiler alert. Yeah. Well, I mean, Matt's <laughs> never gonna play it. And I know, but it's like I mean I'm. I'm into the ideas that they've got, and, de- and definitely I like the concept part of what they're going for. But it's just like, you know, I'm kind of tempted to buy a console now. I'm like, like kind of leaning towards bu- finally buying a Switch so I can just, you know, get caught up. Oh, go- I have one of those, dude. They're awesome. Pokemon Go, Let's Go, uh, Pikachu and all that, Smash Brothers. I know. I mean, I've, 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 I've been playing some Smash as King K. Rule. He's my guy. Yeah. King K. Rule can whoop some I've been, I was using Cloud, man. Cloud whoops ass. Cloud and uh, Little Mac. From Knockout. Does he still have bad... Is he only good on, like, grounded stages? Because Little he Mac? Had, yeah, because he had, like, lousy recovery if he wasn't on a grounded stage. Yeah, uh, I mean, that somewhat. was Smash 4. Yeah, they, they, so. they, f- they fixed all of them now. So okay, that's, okay. Well, enough of that talk now. We're done. Matt, gotta go. All right, yeah. I gotta get going <laughs> uh, off to the right, next right, time. All right, man. It was, it was fun you having you. We'll talk to you all damn day. Right? 
be a 10 hour podcast oh yeah <laughs> every i always look at yours as like you know there's this one at like 30 minutes there's like, and there's like me at two hours every single time <laughs> yeah oh we we don't feel tension we love talking to you man it's always great having you you know we're yeah. gonna have you again and again and again yeah oh no so, everyone yeah <laughs> all right guys i've been josh casper i am jj kirby and i am matt dunford the there magnificent matt dunford uh-huh. and i just remind everybody one more time Comic Fest. San Diego Comic Fest here in San Diego, California at the Four Point Sheraton on March 7th through the 10th. Check us out. Grab your tickets now at www.sdcomicfest.org. There you go. All right, guys. You can uh, find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Listen to us on SoundCloud, uh, Google, iTunes, Spotify. All right, guys. Read on.